you might be aware I'm, uh, I'm attempting to use a different microphone, so we, they're adjusting, and uh, we'll hopefully, hopefully it's okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, if you get to smell the food, I'll try to be quick. There are like eight or nine different uh, soups, chilies. There's something, I'm sure, for everyone, for every one of your uh, diet needs. <laughs> and, th and then those who are indulging in more, there's some of that too. Amen. Um, I'm going to continue in, and we're, we're talking about uh, our, our vision, our, our view of what this new year looks like for Alcoa Maryville Church of God, and we're talking about uh, equipping, where we, we see the Word of God tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And I believe that when I look across the world and see Christianity, uh, oftentimes it is ill-prepared for the battle uh, that, is under, un, that it is undertaking. And I just feel like as a, as a shepherd, an under-shepherd, under the great shepherd, right, that it is my job. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints. So it's, I feel like it's my role to equip people to be prepared for what God uh, wants them to do and what they will face in the world. And, and so uh, we're on that journey. Uh, when we look at our mission, our mission is to seek, serve, disciple, and send. And, and we look at how that we will do that as core values. And, and we feel like that we are spirit-led, authentic, missional, life-giving, and collaborative. That God wants us to, one, be led by the Spirit. How many understand that, right? And so God wants us to be led by His Spirit. He wants us to be real. He wants us to be missional. He wants us to be life-giving. You know, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. So we are to be life-giving. We're, uh, we're to be His hands and feet to lift people up out of the darkness and into light, right? And, and, and we're to work together in that process. But the underlying basis for our mission and vision is really that God is love. Love is the undergirding, formative, foundational for everything we do, love. For he said, you will love the Lord. This is what Jesus gave as uh, the greatest commands, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, strength, and soul, right? And to love your neighbor as yourself, to love God and to love others. And so when I think of that as a priority, that, that our first priority is to love God. And, and so we want, we're on this journey of looking at the disciplines of the faith. And I believe these disciplines help us to discipline ourselves in the love of God. And, and, and when I think of dis, discipline to love, I think of spiritual discipline. So we looked at first the studying of God's Word, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly discerning or dividing the Word of truth. 
But also we looked at prayer a couple weeks ago, prayer as a privilege. Help me understand that prayer is not a drudgery, it's not an obligation, it is a privilege that we have to communicate with God. God has opened a door, He has torn the veil of the Holy of Holies and has invited us into His presence where we can worship Him with all of our heart, where we can come in boldly. This is what His Word says, come boldly before the throne of God. He's given us access. Can you turn to your neighbor and say access? Access. He's given us access to his throne room to allow us to commune with him. Isn't that amazing? So then prayer is not an obligation. It's not a drudgery. It's not uh, something that we uh, belittle or look down on or feel like, oh, why do I have to do that? It is a privilege, a high privilege that God's given us. Today, I want to go into a, a, a four-letter word. Could be bad. The word fast. And I'm not talking about you getting in your car, pushing the acceleration. I'm not going to be talking about inertia and drag and all that stuff when it comes to how fast your velocity is on the road. But fasting, the idea of letting go of something in order to Draw near to God, right? You know, as a young boy, uh, I was somewhat traumatized. I know that's hard for you guys to believe. <laughs> uh, you know, my mom and dad divorced when I was about two, two-ish. And, um, you know, the, the traumatizing idea of abandonment from dad the seeing how my brothers, my older brothers being seven and nine years older than me, seeing the, uh, the anger, the bitterness, the, the lashing out that, that they had and, and how uh, that mixed signals of back and forth, having grandparents on both sides trying to win you over and trying to tell you good things and bad things about the other and this and that. I mean, for a, for a young boy young child trying to grasp all of this. And, and then, you know, at four and a half, uh, mom meeting this uh, wonderful guy who I didn't know was a wonderful guy at the time. You know, all I could think of is the one that I love, the one that, you know, if I could, if, if there was any person in the world that could give me security, if there's any person in the world that I could cling to and know that I was going to be okay, it was mom. And here's this guy coming in, went, sweeping her off of her feet. And there, now I have this other competition in my home. Right? It, it, traumatizing for a small child. Some of you have lived in, and been through the divorce of your parents and the hardships that that faces. It's difficult. It was... Really, my mother was just the go-to one. She was the one that, the closer I was to her, uh, the more security I found. She was the constant of my life. Uh, it irritated my stepdad to no end that as a child, uh, I was always clinging to her. Uh, I was, you know, I might be considered spoiled rotten. Maybe I was. Turned out all right, though. But she literally had to pick me up when she was cooking. So she would walk around the kitchen with me in her arms. I was too heavy for that 98-pound woman. But she held me. When she was cleaning, she'd pick me up and she would clean with me in her arms. 
I got a picture of myself laying on the kitchen table that I had fallen asleep and she had put a little, uh, little blanket there and laid me on the table in the kitchen so that I would be close to her. It didn't help things that, you know, my stepfather would get my mom out of the house, take her shopping to help her get her mind off of things, and, and I would cling to her from every rack she would go to. I was on that leg, boy, hanging on. And my, my, my stepfather and all of his good intentions would pull me away, say, let's go see the toys. And he would take me down to the toys and wait just long enough for me to get distracted, and he would hide behind something. Can I tell you for a traumatized boy who already struggles with abandonment, that that didn't go well. And I don't know why he thought that was funny. But he would wait till I would, I would literally bolt like lightning down the aisle, shoo, looking for my mom, screaming. And he'd come and grab me and laugh and it wasn't funny. <laughs> to me, it wasn't. It wasn't funny, Sean. <laughs> But how much more should Christ be our source of security and our constant? How much more should, in the moments that we are lonely, in the moments that we feel abandoned, in the moments we are afraid, in the moments where it seems like our world is crashing down on us, when we have been let down and dis disappointed by everything around us, should we not run to the constant? Should we not run to the one who, who has given us strength and encouragement, the one who has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I will be with you until the end of the age? To the one that says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, Right? That I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why would we not run to the very one that gives us the hope of eternity that says that he will walk with us through every trial, every situation? Come on, right? The spiritual disciplines allow us to draw closer to God. I mean, even... Christ himself showed us what it looked like to walk disciplined in the faith. I mean, when you think of Christ being one who studied the word, I mean, where did they find him at 12 years old? When, when they had left and, and he was, when he stayed back, he was in the temple and he wasn't just sitting, but he was speaking. Where did he find that knowledge? It wasn't because it was divinely given. He had studied he studied. He had prepared himself. He wanted to draw near to the Father. He wanted to show his reliance on the Father so that we could understand our reliance on Christ. Amen? He prayed. And there was often times he would leave the crowd. Oftentimes he might pull a, a disciple or two with him and he would go off into a secret place and he would pray and he would fast. We see significantly where Jesus fasted where he fasted 40 days before he went into the wilderness uh, to be tempted. How many understand that that, that fasting prepares us for what we will face, right? 
One of the significant phrases, I, I decided to go through the security training with the security team uh, Friday and Saturday, and uh, that was fun. Uh, the first, the first uh, four hours, I wasn't aware, Brother McGarity, that there was going to be a test at the end. <laughs> and y'all know I'm ADD, right? So here I am, I'm in and out of the room, I'm on my phone, and, and then at, right then, well, uh, we're going to give out the test. I'm like, test? <laughs> what? Anyway, I passed. <laughs> But one of the things, one of the phrases that stuck with me was, when the time to perform is at hand, the time to prepare is already past. When the time to perform is at hand, the time to prepare is already past. You know, we know that we're going to face trials. I mean, the Word of God tells us, in this world... You will have trials and tribulation. Isn't that what the Word of God says? So it should not come to us by surprise that we're going to face trials. Matter of fact, the Lord tells us to be of good cheer, right? When we fall into different kinds of trials, for they are for our testing, right? They're for our purifying. So we know they're going to happen, but how often do we prepare to handle those kind of trials. How often do we prepare our mind? I mean, there's so many people who are literally wounded emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, wounded by past hurts, wounded by hardships, wounded by divorces and experiences like that, and, and yet they still walk in the brokenness of their life, unwilling to prepare themselves for the future animosity and trials the enemy is going to bring. How many know that he's going to hit you where you hurt? He's not going to come to you on the things that you're strong about. I mean, if you do any kind of tactical study, you're going to try to, uh, you're going to, try to take somebody out in their weakest spot. Right? Are we preparing ourselves? Are we equipping ourselves to be ready for the battle that when it comes? Amen? <laughs> I mean, when you think about the battle, the battle is what really kind of opens up the wounds, pulls back the curtains and lets everyone see who we really are. How many know that it's in our weakest moments that we express the depths of who we really are? Come on. That's an old me, right? Oh, Lord, help us. That pastor's getting deep this morning. Move on, pastor. <laughs> Romans chapter 13, 11 says, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when, it, when we first believed. It's time to wake up. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, I know you stayed up late, but wake up. <laughs> wake up. So I want to look at what it takes for us to wake up. I want to talk about fasting. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Matthew 6, 16 through 18. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, 
For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to, to, me, uh, to men be... I'm sorry. For, for they may disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Verse 17. But you, when you fast, anoint your face and wa- anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will will reward you openly. Secret place, right? Sounds like something we talked about a few weeks ago, the secret place. You, You know, the very first part of that says, moreover, if you fast. Is that what it says? When... When you fast. In other words, it was, it was an assumption that they would fast. It's kind of like uh, the scripture just before that when it talks about prayer. When you pray. How many know that uh, to, to remain in communion with God, we've got to pray, right? If you want to continue having a relationship with your spouse, guess what you're going to do? You're going to talk to them. Uh, if you don't talk to them, after a while, it starts uh, having some issues, Right? Uh, Well, guess what? We have to have communion, relationship, communication with God. And so it is expected that we will fast. In in Mark chapter 9, 14 and 15, it says, Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but uh, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Oh boy, right? Fasting. What an encouraging topic. (laughs) Fasting, when, when we look at fasting... Fasting is not uniquely Christian, right? There's, there's other religions who use fasting because the principle of fasting is the same. It is, it is something that uh, allows us to put aside the distraction of flesh to focus in on, on what is important. I mean, when you think of the Muslims, uh, they fast during Ramadan. They will fast uh, during, uh, during the daylight hours and then eat in the evening. And then even Buddhists themselves will, this is, what they, this is what it says, fasting is a common practice among Buddhists as they are attempting to divorce themselves from, the, from any materialistic desire. Fasting, as a principle, allows us to focus on what is important. Right? So, when we... F- we find fasting throughout the Old Testament. Moses fasted for 40 days when he, while receiving the law. David fasted for his child who was dying. He spoke uh, in the Psalms about fasting. We see that in Psalms 35 and 13. But as for me, when, we, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth, and I humbled my soul with fasting and prayer returned, to, uh, returned into my own bosom. And in Psalms 69 and 10, it says, When I wept I, and chastened my soul with fasting, Fasting, that was, uh, that was to my reproach. Psalms 109, 24 says, My knees are weak through fasting, and my flesh fails of fatness. He understood that, that fasting uh, helped him focus on what, the, what was important in his life. 
Nehemiah said, upon hearing the discouragement of those who had returned to Jerusalem, they had come back to the promised land and, and saw it in disarray, and they were, they were weeping and upset with all that they saw. And in Nehemiah chapter 1 and 4, it says, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before, before the God of heaven. How many know that when, we, when we're discouraged, when we're struggling, when, when it doesn't happen like we anticipated or expected, we can go to the Lord and we can fast and we can seek His face and it, and it brings us to an alignment with what He has in store for us. Daniel, when he knew by the prophecies of Jeremiah that, that the time of the Babylonian was about to be over, he, he said this in Daniel chapter 9 and 3. And I set my face, right? I'm going to read it from there because I, I got, I, I've got it in a different version here. So, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. He understood that he had to, to put his own emotions, his own ideas into subjection to God. And the only way to do that was to pray and, and fast and seek God's face. I mean, understand that Jesus fasted 40 days before he went into the wilderness to be tempted. Even Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, we see where Cornelius, who was, who was a Gentile, began to fast, believing God. And, and an angel of the Lord showed up into his home and told him to go and get Peter out of Joppa, right? Fasting helps us to stay focused. Amen. Over and over we see where even the nation of Israel was called to a national fast. It, it, it's often reminded, I'm often reminded even uh, in, in our country, there's been seasons when we have gone through national crisis and you'll hear a clarion voice from churches across the nation who call us into order to, to have a solemn assembly, to have a, a national fast, if you will, as the body of Christ. We see that in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and 14. If my people right, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will turn, right? This, he, will, he will cleanse our lands and heal us, right? That's, that's God's call. He's looking for people who will seek his face. But in Matthew chapter 6, we're reminded that there's a wrong way to fast. It tells us don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like those who, who go out and, 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 and kind of mess up their hair and make themselves look bad to, to let everybody know, well, I'm just fasting. Huh? Look at me. I'm doing my duty. That's not helping anything, is it? I mean, in the times of Jesus... There were two days that, that people would come from the, from the outer communities to come into Israel. And, and they would take those two days to buy and sell. And, and to buy and sell their goods to go back out, uh, out of the marketplaces. And, and it, was, it was ironically that it was those two days that, that all these Pharisees decided to, to fast, right? Of all the days... That when the city was the crowd, most crowded, when the marketplaces, everybody would be there. Those were the days that they chose to, to kind of mush up their hair a little bit, to put on, some, uh, put on something to make their face look pale so that, that when people would come by, they would say, ooh, you're so pious and you're so good. And man, look how you seek God. 
And all they wanted was just a little pat on the back. We have to be careful that that fasting is not a pride thing. Matter of fact, in reality, fasting should be something that humbles us and not gives us a, a, a presentation of pride. Right? I mean, even in Isaiah chapter, 50, Isaiah chapter 58, I mean, the whole chapter is literally about fasting and, and, and the people had already been uh, kind of been in a religious, pious way about, look what we've done. And, and, then, and then before God, they say this, why have we fasted, they say, and, and you have not seen? Why have, we, uh, why have we afflicted our souls and you have not taken notice, right? It goes on in verse 4. Got verse 4 up there? I got it right here. It goes on, verse 4 says, Indeed, you, you fast for strife and debate, and to strike with your fist of wickedness. You will, you will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. I mean, understand, we're not fasting to make our voice heard, right? Is, is that the fast that I have chosen? A day that a man just afflicts his soul? A, may, a day that a man just bows his head like the bulrush uh, to spread out in sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, a, a, a day that is acceptable to the Lord? I mean, and sometimes I think that we get in the mindset that it's just about, uh, just about the humbling ourselves, but it's, it's much more than that. It's about putting us into a mindset to seek the face of God. It's not just about going about our business and, and, and just a great diet plan. How many pounds did you lose during your fast this time? Right? But we get so caught up in the unimportant factors that God, that the whole point is for us to draw near to God, to draw close to Him, to, to look to Him, to, to allow us to experience His truth. I mean, Isaiah 58, 6 and 7 says, This is not the fast, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness? to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that, that you break every yoke? Is, is it not to share your bread with the hungry, that you bring to your house the poor who, who are cast out when you see the naked, that you cover them, and, and, and to, hide, uh, to not hide yourselves from your own flesh? What's fasting for? To love God and to love others. To draw us closer to God so that we can have a greater heart for the things of God. Instead of oppression, it should be setting people free, right? To helping others, to love others, is to prepare our hearts for the service of the King, to help us to look at others who are broken and not with, not with demeaning eyes or condemnation, but to look at them as Christ Jesus looked at them, that they are the workmanship of His hands who He died for on the cross of Calvary. And every single person is valuable in the eyes of Jesus, no matter what color their skin, no matter what culture they come from, no matter what background they have. Every person is someone who Jesus loves and died for on the cross of Calvary. And we have to prepare ourselves so that when we look out at those who are broken, who maybe even hurt us, who maybe even caused us pain and say, Jesus loves you just as he picked me up from the miry clay, just as he saved my soul when I was broken. He loves you and cares about you too. Amen? Come on, give God praise. 
So we see that the plan, the, the, the fasting is for us to draw near to God, to experience God in a deeper way. I love what, I was reading an article, and this is what, it was actually John Piper had written this out of a book called The Hunger for God. It says, if you don't feel strong, if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, is it not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied? Is it because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world, your soul is stuffed with the small things, and there's no room, more room for the great? It's like, that hurt, right? Wow. Are we hungry anymore for God? Are we, you know, David says uh, this. He said, as the deer pants for the water, so does my soul long after you, O Lord. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, right? I mean, how desperate are we for a move of God in our home? How desperate are we for God to do something extraordinary, miraculous in our home, in our family, in our community, in our church? How desperate are we to really allow God to move in us, to, to do a work in us that's so deep. But it, it takes more than just a visitation. Look, when I was growing up, I had visitation rights to my dad. But God doesn't want just visitation rights. God just doesn't want just to pass by on Sundays and and have a meal with you, and enjoy a little good words from you, God wants to abide. He wants you to abide in his presence. And that the old song, he abides, he abides, hallelujah, he abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk this narrow way, for the comforter abides with me. What a joy it is to know that the presence of God is with us and that he abides with us. He, and, and, and for us to have clarity of his presence, sometimes we've got to put the veil of the flesh, we've got to take the veil of the flesh off. And the way we do that is consistently seeking his face by fasting to, to put down the desires of the flesh. Right? I mean... The idea behind fasting is literally to, to recognize that there's a war between the flesh and the spirit. How many understand that? Right? And, and, and that, that both seek control of our lives. Paul said this in, in Galatians. He said, uh, now the spirit is warring against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. And these two are contrary to one another. The Bible tells us if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust." Of the flesh. We, we, we have to be able to walk in the Spirit. How do we do that? Well, we do it through fasting to be able to subject our flesh to the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit of God wants us to do. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All day long, every day, we, we have choices that we are confronted with. And, and the choice is, is, will we respond or react in the flesh or in the Spirit? How will, these things, uh, how will these things operate in us? When we have a bad waitress, how will we operate? 
in the spirit or in the flesh. When the car uh, pulls over in front of us, almost clipping our bumper, will we act, react in the spirit or the flesh? I'm, I'm just being general, but let's bring it home. When a husband or a wife does something that causes pain in us, how will we operate in the spirit or in the flesh? We have to recognize that we've got to walk in the Spirit. We have to follow the Spirit of God. We have to hear the voice of God. We have to allow God to do a work in us. The struggle is very real. I mean, we, we, it, is, it is every day always in front of us. We, we, either, we either will react in the flesh or we will walk, walk out in the Spirit of God, right? But if we, if we follow the flesh, it only brings more condemnation. It only brings more pain. It only brings more hurt. Look at the trajectory of making a decision in the flesh. It doesn't end well. But when you're walking the Spirit, guess what? Who's responsible for the results when you walk in the Spirit? God. And, you know, that takes a big weight off of our shoulders when we're truly relying on the Spirit of God because when God's in control, no matter what the end is, He's glorified and we're bettered, in, we're bettered in the process. Amen? It may not always come out the way we thought it should come out, but he always works everything. This is what the Word of God says. He works all things for the good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He's working it out. Amen? Amen. I'm closing. I feel the aroma of chili. You know, the thing is, is that we, we are hard-pressed that every day, at least the majority of us, every day we've got to have three meals, right? I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I don't look like I've missed many meals. But, you know, we, we, we miss breakfast about 11 o'clock. We're hangry. Right? Some of y'all hangry this morning. We get hangry. We, we miss lunch. We get busy. We miss lunch. My wife says, how in the world do you miss lunch? It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm starving to death. She says, how do you not eat? I mean, of course, you know, her blood sugar starts going crazy, and she'll about pass out on you. And she hadn't eaten her lunch. Lunch consists of that nasty thing that she's done mixed up in that blender at home. I have no idea. All I know is it's green, and I am not drinking that. <laughs> but she got to have it. I mean, we're so occupied with making sure that we got our three squares, right? And we, we have to have it. We, we go a day, I mean, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. That's, that's all I can handle. But how often do we understand the spiritual meals that we need? How often, I mean, when you look at the Old Testament, you'll see that they, they had a, a custom of, of daily prayer, morning, afternoon, and evening. Almost like a mealtime, right? How often do we to really understand the necessity of the nourishment of the Holy Spirit to draw near to Him? I mean, God wants us to, look, I'm not declaring a fast today. 
Because fa- and, and let me just say, fasting can look in different ways. I mean, the Bible, when it talks about fasting, it's talking about food. Y'all get that? Food. Now, I'm not begrudging the fact that you can choose other things to fast because there's other things in our life that we allow to hold us back or to take our attention, whether it be a social media app that we just can't get our eyes off of, whether it be the phone itself that we, uh, we, we miss the phone and we'll drive 20 miles back just to get it, right? Or other things that we allow to hinder our relationship with others and with God. I mean, how many times do we sit around the table and, and, and every person around the table has got their phone out? Oh, did you see what so-and-so said? That? Oh, look at here. Isn't it? Did you see this picture? Oh, my gosh. But my, my question is this. Is, you know, when I first got saved, man, I was so... I was so zealous for God. I mean, y'all, man, I was radically transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was, when when I came in, it wasn't a day go by that I wasn't drunk or high. Every, it seemed like every sentence there was a foul word in it. It, it, when I came in that night, I, I didn't go for God. I, get, I came because the pretty girl sitting on the right, you know, right of the church. But God, I mean, you know that but God statement, right? But God changed everything. When I left that place, the desires to smoke and drink were gone. God just, it was a radical transformation. And because of that, I want to do everything I could to get close to God. And so I began to fast at times. I would, I would fast till I'd make myself sick. And I did. I got down to about 112 pounds. I was sick as a dog. I'd created ulcers in my gut because I was so zealous. And I wanted to beat this flesh up. I wanted to prove this flesh was dead. I, I was not following that junk anymore. So I'm, I'm saying that to say, we have to follow the Holy Spirit the leading of God. And we have to be appropriate in how we fast. We have to make sure that we have intentions and we're being intentional in how we do things, that we're, that we're doing appropriately. I mean, some people have medicines that they take. Some people, you know, you have to, I would say, consult a doctor before you want to go into a long-term fast. But at the same time, I remember moments through my history when when I was wondering how God was going to move and I would, me and Kim together would declare a fast over decisions that we were going to make. And together we would begin to, to, to fast and pray. And, and it was amazing to see the miraculous take place. It was amazing to see how God responded in those moments. And it wasn't that God did, uh, that God was doing everything we wanted Him to do. It was how God aligned us with what He was doing. It was that moment where we said, Lord, we, we choose to follow you. and We're asking for your direction. This is what we see happening. But Lord, we want your response. And Lord, we're willing to submit ourselves to you. And we begin to fast in the light of submitting ourselves to God and watching him do the impossible. 
It didn't always show up like we thought it would show up. But man, God always responded in such a way that you knew it was God. Healings took place. Supplies would come in that we never uh, anticipated. Finances would show up that we wondered, oh Lord, where did that come from? How did you know? God says, I know everything. That's how God works. You know, in Mark chapter 9, there's a story of Jesus coming off the Mount of Transfiguration. Y'all remember the story? And he comes down the mountain and there's some disciples who had been left back. And, and there was a dispute amongst the, the, the scribes and these disciples about what was going on. And so Jesus coming in said, hey, what's going on? And he said, well, I brought my son who, who has a demonic spirit that casts him into the fire, that casts him in the water, is trying to destroy his life. And he says, I brought him to the disciples and the disciples couldn't cast it out. And Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith, oh, this generation. And later he cast it out, and later the disciples say, Lord, why couldn't we do that? And this is what he said. This comes by prayer and by fasting. This only comes by prayer and fasting. Just back up just a little bit what that, what that dad said. He says, can you do this? This is what he asked Jesus. Can you do this? And, and, and Jesus responded, can I do this? If only you believe. And the guy goes, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. This morning, I don't doubt that you're here because you believe. I, I, I really believe that you're here because you believe God and you, you love God. You're here because God allowed you to be here today. But I would suggest and wonder, do you believe God is able to step into your situation and do the miraculous? Do you believe God? Maybe it's a, a, a couple whose relationship is at the brink. Maybe it's a son or daughter who is lost in, in some type of addiction. Maybe it's just a job situation. You're wondering, God, I, I don't know what to do. Maybe it's just a decision that you're making. Maybe it's overwhelming depression and doubt because the enemy is flooding your mind with all of the junk that you have, you have done. You say, well, I believe but help my unbelief. Today, why not, why not trust God for big? Why not trust God for something bigger? Why not believe that God is able to do far above, right? I mean, don't walk out of here, don't walk out of here and say, well, uh, that was a good service, uh, that preacher did a great job, you know, and go living out the same old, same old, same old that you've been living. If you're expecting God to do something different in your life, are you willing to do something different for Him? Are you willing to step out of the comfort zone of the pew that you're sitting in and say, you know what, today I make a choice to believe God for bigger. Come on, right? If that's you this morning, would you step this way? Would you come and join me? I'm expecting God for something bigger. I'm expecting God to move in a more in a in a powerful way in my life, my family, my church, my community.
I'm expecting God to step into my circumstance and do something far beyond what I can even imagine or think. I'm believing God for more. I'm believing God for more. Amen. How many believe that? Amen. 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 Come on up. Come on closer. Come on closer. I'm not asking this morning, will you join me in a fast? But I'm asking, would you pray about what fasting looks like in your family? I'm asking you, would you, would you say, Lord, this is what I'm looking for. This is what, this is what I'm longing for. And God, I'm willing to, Paul, Paul says, I, I buffet my body, right? He put his body into subjection so that he could hear more clearly, clearly the voice of the Lord. And that's what you're saying this morning. Lord, I want to put myself in a position to hear your voice more clearly than I ever have. Young people, it's amazing. I'm excited for you because the revival that you've been experiencing over the last year, it seems like there's been a stalling. And maybe that's my own view. It seems like there's been a stalling. But I'm believing a hunger is about to rise up in you. And there's a stirring in the Spirit of God that's going to happen. And, and, and you guys are going to be those who are seeing miracles take place. Not just miracle, but miracles take place. I'm believing that. I believe that God is going to transform some sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters. Amen? Y'all believe that? Can we join together right now? Can we believe that right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we agree together. We have, we have stepped forward in faith to say, Lord, we don't want the, the normal any longer. We don't want the natural to be what leads us. We want to be led by the supernatural presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We want to know that and know that, know that we know, God, that it is your spirit who is leading us and that our response is not one of flesh, of our own desire, of our own satisfaction, but we're truly being led by your spirit that you may be glorified. And Lord, I'm believing right now, I'm agreeing right now with some mothers in this room that your children will be saved. I'm believing right now. Lord, that what the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy, you are stepping into that situation right now. Lord, there is life being spoken over that child right now. There is hope being spoken over that child right now. The impossible is happening even as we speak right now. Break the curse. Break the ch change. Loose them from the blinds that have blinded them from truth. Open their eyes. Let them be awakened to your spirit in Jesus' name. God, we're believing for sons and daughters. We're believing for health, God. We break the back of sickness. Lord, right now, we, we pray against cancer. God, we're believing that you can do the miraculous. We have seen your hand heal over and over again. We can look back to Sammy Pena and recognize that you are a healer, Lord, that you broke the back of leukemia off his body and you brought healing in him. And Lord, just as you've done it for one, you can do it for others in this room right now, Lord Jesus. We're believing for healing, Lord, over our family, over this body, over this church, God. Lord, let your touch flow through this family, Lord. Break the curse of sickness. Break the bonds of, of the spirit of infirmity that's trying to wreak havoc on our family in this church. 
Lord, loose and set free. God, I thank you, Jesus. Lord, that you are purifying our heart, God. Lord, that you're purifying our mind. That our vision is clearer today than it was yesterday. That we see more clearly the plans that you're laying before us today, God. And we're more determined to walk out that journey every single day because of who you are and what you're doing. God, arise. Arise in this place. Arise in our homes. Arise in our work. Arise in our family. Lord, and let the enemy be scattered in Jesus' name. Let it be so, Father. We declare victory today. We declare victory over the enemy. We declare victory over the enemy. Victory is ours in Jesus' name. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. Look, there's victory in this altar right now. Look at Linda Lonis right here. Who just a couple of weeks ago wasn't, wasn't sure if her heart would be all right. But guess what? Standing right there. A sign of victory. Look at Deborah Spartman right there. Who had cancer a year ago and is cancer free today because the power of the Holy Spirit right there, right? Look at Frida Foster over there who wasn't sure if she's going to live or die. But guess what? She's standing right here. She doesn't have oxygen on anymore, but she's a testimony of God's miraculous power. That's what God can do. God can do the miraculous. And we've got to keep believing for God to continue to do the miraculous. Amen? Amen. Love you guys. Listen, I hope that you will stay. We've got so much soup that I'm going to have to take some home with me if y'all don't stay. All right? And we've got all kinds. We're having a cake auction afterwards, a business meeting right after the cake auction. We're looking about 2 o'clock for the business meeting. Stay, enjoy, have a great time. Fellowship with some people. Let them know you love them. Trust God. God bless you. Amen.